Is Blake Snell on the road to another injury-plagued season? We'll look into some other pitching developments from spring training as well and talk about players who might wind up on all of our rosters. Like death and taxes, Dodgers get a Dodger. I have not had uh, three cold brews yet. Got ahead of me on uh, my my caffeine question, so glad glad to know that there's been uh, some caffeination in your life. I'm just glad I am not at the dentist. Fantasy in 15 on the Athletic Podcast Network. Welcome to Fantasy Baseball in 15 for Monday, March 2nd. I'm Al Melker and I'm here with Michael Beller. And uh, today is my guy's day, so we've all got comms on players that we uh, find ourselves either drafting over and over or maybe want to draft over and over. Uh, so we will reveal at least one of those a little bit <laughs> later on in the show. But we got a lot of pitching news to get to, Michael. And uh, let's start with Blake Snell, because this is one that certainly people are going to be thinking about, maybe worrying about. He uh, developed a sore elbow, received a cortisone shot on Friday for it. And there's a possibility that he might not be ready for opening day. So already Snell getting maybe a little bit of a discount, an injury discount, based on the fact that last season he only pitched 107 innings. He did have an issue with loose bodies in his elbow in 2019. And, of course, he also missed quite a bit of time with that fractured toe. And uh, one of those injuries that DVR likes to talk a lot about. It's one of those sort of bizarre injuries where he dropped some sort of large bathroom fixture on his toe. So, unfortunate. Very unfortunate. Also, you know, to my thinking, unrelated to the elbow stuff, yes. but <laughs> disconcerting nonetheless. So currently, Snell is ranked 10th in ADP among uh, pitchers in NFBC drafts. So, you know, to my thinking, for a, a former Cy Young winner, that's, that's already maybe a little bit of a discount. Do you think he deserves more of one now? Oh, I think he has to come in much more of a discount here. We're talking about an elbow injury not even a month before the season's going to start, right? I mean, three and a half weeks from now is opening day. So I think he needs to be coming at a much uh, more significant discount than you're already getting. And Al, you and I have talked about a handful of injured pitchers already on this show uh, in the few weeks we've been up and running. You know where I'm going with this. I mean, I, I can't possibly take Blake Snow. I mean, it would have to be an extreme discount. And more often than not, someone in a draft is going to be willing to jump the line on that discount and, and think it's uh, it's uh, it's already been appropriate enough. The discount is already good enough that they can take him there. I can't. Um, injuries can find you. No matter who you are, injuries can come after you. Injuries are going to get you. You're not going to get through a full fantasy baseball season, even if you draft guys that have totally clean bills of health coming into the season and not have a guy go to the IL for a while. So we already know that. Why would you go and court that risk. It just doesn't make any sense to me. Blake Snell's still going to get drafted and treated as, as the ace that he certainly is when he's healthy. I can't go that far. This is just another guy who I'm very comfortable adding to my do not draft list. All right. Well, I'm sure you know that this question is coming and it's a tough question for all of us, but you know, when we say we're going to avoid player X and of course now player mm -hmm. X is, is Blake Snell. What's a number you can assign to that when you see him drop to, you know, what spot, in the pitcher ADP, 20, 25, 30, keep going. We're, everybody's got a price, right. so what's, what's yours? <laughs> little Ted DiBiase there. Everyone's got a price, exactly. <laughs> um, uh, you know, so it, mine, I guess, is it's immaterial probably, right? Because someone's going to be willing to pay a higher price. But for me, I would say 
with with Snell being the guy he is, the loose bodies last year, the way this injury already sounds, and knowing how good he can be when he is healthy, I would say somewhere in the SP30 range is probably where I would go. But you know, I mean, there's no way he's going to last that long. Someone's going to yeah. be willing to say that SP20 is enough of a discount in every single draft you're in, and I just can't get there. Yeah, I'm. I think I'm pretty much with you, and to me, that sounds maybe overly punitive, overly steep. And yet, sure. I know if I'm sitting there on draft day, and I'm sure you're you're thinking through this as well, that you've got your ace, you want your your number two starter. You know, you want your number one and your number two starters ideally to be um, players that you feel really comfortable with, really confident in, and as the twentieth, the twenty fifth starters go off the board, I'm with you. I. I wouldn't be ready to uh, to make that commitment at that point, and maybe somebody winds up with a just incredible value with mm-hmm. Blake Snell. But uh, yeah, now there's certainly some extra risk that comes with that pick. Um, so this weekend we've had a, a not just that development, but a few other developments and, and really more positive ones. Uh, we certainly look for the positive news in spring training to balance out all this you know, bad uh, bad injury news, and a great story with Lance McCullers making his first appearance in a game of any kind since having Tommy John surgery and it went well I mean it was a brief appearance but uh, he faced three batters got two outs including a strikeout of Paul Goldschmidt so uh, that's certainly good to see Nathan Avaldi uh, three scoreless innings against the Braves on Sunday and that's on top of his first appearance where he tossed two scoreless innings and this is the kind of thing I really like to avoid during spring training and <laughs> citing spring training stats and talking about players who are on a hot streak after five whole innings but in the case of Evaldi and the, in the case of the Red Sox I feel like this is a little different because this is a rotation that needs help that needs depth any kind of positive sign is I think going to be amplified Mm-hmm. Uh, in terms of that rotation, and in terms of Avaldi, who showed, uh, you know, both the highs and the lows last season, and I think we're looking for signs about which pitcher might show up in 2020. And then finally, uh, among these other stories, Yusei Kikuchi throwing significantly harder this uh, so far in spring training than he did in his uh, first season uh, with the Mariners. Uh, when he was averaging a little under 93 over the entire season. So, you know, we got to calibrate this and remember that, right. for example, in case of, the case of McCullers, he was throwing low 90s, but, you know, this is his first appearance since Tommy John. Uh, you know, pitchers typically ramp up through spring training, even through April or even sometimes May. So that's really encouraging for Lance McCullers. Kikuchi averaging just below 93 miles an hour last year on his fastball, already sitting between 94 and 96. So three interesting stories, McCullers, Avaldi, Kikuchi. Which one do you think is the one we should be paying the most attention to in terms of real impact? Well, I have to say that even after what I just said about Blake Snell, I'm such a sucker for Lance McCullers and his stuff that he is probably going to end up on some of my teams. But the one that I want to focus on here, the one I think is the most uh, has the most weight to it right now is the Yusei Kikuchi stuff because – we look for these sorts of things in spring, right? What matters? Guys who you know have a new pitch or, uh, or have a new stance at the plate. Like Those are substantive things that we can really point to in spring training and say, all right, maybe this is going to be uh, someone different this year. And the fact that Kikuchi's uh, velocity is already up, uh, I have to do some investigating here to figure out why that's the case. But if that does remain the case, if he is now a guy who sits mid-90s, then we're talking about a different pitcher. Even in a game that is just stacked with velocity, the way Major League Baseball is today, 
you're a much different pitcher if you're sitting 94-96 rather than topping out at 93 the way Kikuchi did last year. So I think this is something to keep an eye on for the rest of the spring. Maybe it was uh, an an anomaly and he gets back down to the low 90s. It's something that you're going to want to be armed with when you sit down to draft your team because that is enough of a jump that we could really be talking about a totally different guy this year if this is something that is real. So Kikuchi's a guy who wasn't totally on my radar to come into the season, but now certainly for the rest of spring, I'm going to make sure I get a couple of his uh, innings under my belt before I sit down to draft the rest of my teams. All right, so and I, I agree with you too in terms of something that really could move the needle. I think the Kikuchi story is the closest to that. Uh, where would you have considered drafting him before? And I know you just got done saying he wasn't really on your radar. Uh, I mean, was he really just strictly an ale only pitcher for you? Uh, you know, as of a couple days ago, uh, where was he then? Where might he be when you actually get to the draft table? Yeah, I could have seen him still being an end game guy in mixed leagues, obviously more ale only. And when I said not on my radar, I meant more just like, all right, I know what Kikuchi is. Mm. Like, I, I don't really need to do too much investigating into what this pitcher is going to be in 2020. So now he's on my radar in that maybe there's something new. I still think that even with the velocity increase, if it's something that's real, that he's still going to be more of an end game guy, but an end game guy who I'll be excited about rather than just, a, all right, you know, I need a seventh starting pitcher on this team. Kikuchi seems fine enough. He's going to stick in the rotation. So there's some excitement now about him, and that changes the whole equation with him going into – I mean, you can hear the excitement outside my window here. We got we, we got sirens coming for you, say Kikuchi. So uh, this is great. I mean, I'm, if you're not feeling it now, I don't know what's going to make you feel it. Yeah, that was uh, – you know, I think that was just the appropriate sound effect uh, right there. Well, well done. Well done. <laughs> Uh, well, uh, yeah, I, for me, uh, yeah, I think he's somebody that I'm, I'm looking at in 15 teamers. Uh, I, mm. I think otherwise he's just, he goes on the watch list and somebody that, you know, in a 12 team league, I'm thinking, okay, there's plenty of good, uh, waiver options out there, but maybe, you know, after his first couple of starts, he'll stand out among that crowd, even some shallower leagues. So that's how I'd treat a situation like this one for uh, for Kikuchi. So uh, that said, I mean, we've got our eyes on on certain players that we like. And, I, you know, I don't know, maybe we, we vary this way. Um, I mean, all of us at The Athletic have written columns on who our, quote-unquote, our guys are uh, this draft season. I don't know if maybe some people are more prone to drafting the same players league after league than others. I, I find that I'm more that way than I wish I was. <laughs> I, I make certain discoveries, and I wrote about this in my column, I make certain discoveries in the offseason, kind of a little statistical nugget, and I get a little hung up on it, and it's like, oh, I found this thing that, you know, other people don't aren't talking about, and, and you know, maybe I can get this player to bargain. So I, I feel like it, it works out a good amount, though. So uh, who is one of your guys uh, that you either are already drafting a lot or you anticipate you will be drafting a lot? So I don't need to go on the Chris Bryant rant again, do I? Because he's the first player in the column for me. All right. Well, we can just we can just I guess put a link. Uh, Copy and paste. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'll give you someone new. I'll give you someone new for sure. Um, you know, unfortunately, one guy who I had in my column, I wrote it before the news that you and I talked about on a previous fantasy baseball in fifteen last week was Griffin Canning. Obviously, he has to come out of the column because of the injury that he's dealing with. But uh, uh, how about Oscar Mercado? This is a guy who I'm pretty excited about and. The projection systems you know, don't give him a ton of love for his power, and I get that. Oscar Mercado's never going to be a 30-home run guy, but 
He had 15 homers last year, Al. He still had 443. That was his first taste in the majors that he did that in the month or so that he spent uh, at AAA before getting the call last year. Slug 496, had four homers and 140 trips to the plate. Go back to 2018, eight homers and 427 plate appearances. In 2017, at the AA level, 13 homers and a little more than 500 plate appearances. So I think there there is you know 15 to 20 homer power in the bat over a full season. I think you probably can count on somewhere in the neighborhood of you know 22 to 25 steals. He's going to be playing every day for Cleveland. I think he could push 100 runs with uh, the bats that are going to be behind him, Francisco Lindor, Jose Ramirez, Fran Mil Reyes. I think you're going to have a pretty strong top half of the order in Cleveland. So I think you're going to get a, a very cheap guy uh, in Oscar Mercado, who's going to provide across the board production? You're going to get. You're not really going to get left behind in any certain category with him as one of your starting outfielders. There's a little bit of rate risk, of course. I got to admit that, but that's true of a lot of guys, and especially of a lot of guys who are going at his stage of drafts or for his usual price in an auction, and guys who are at his stage, uh, the stage of the career that he is in. So, I see way more positives than negatives with Oscar Mercado, and I'm going to really be targeting him pretty aggressively in all my drafts. All right, and I like that. Definitely potential there, like you said, for across-the-board production. I have not drafted him anywhere yet, and he hadn't been – he's not on my list. He hadn't been standing out to me as uh, somebody with a little something special that maybe other people are missing out, but I I like that call. Uh, I'm going to actually – the one I'm going to share here is somebody I haven't drafted yet. (laughs) Um, He's (laughs) got a lot of work to do then. Yeah, he's somebody (laughs) I haven't drafted – in a few years, uh, and I'm talking about Madison Bumgarner, and oh, the ooh. reason why I included him in the column was because he's one of these players, and I think we've all got them, somebody we develop a negative bias towards, and once he had that dirt bike accident, I just wrote him off and never stopped writing him off, and I did that to the point of really sort of missing what he did in 2019. I mean, he threw more than 200 innings. The ERA was up almost to four. But if you look underneath that, the the peripherals uh, pretty much everywhere rebounded other than the home run rate. Uh, So I think it was a genuine bounce back season for Madison Bumgarner. I need to get off my my negative schneid with him (laughs) (laughs) and really think about him as a uh, potential number three starter for for my teams. And, you know, maybe have an advantage over people who are still viewing him negatively from that dirt bike accident and the decline that came immediately uh, thereafter. And what really put him on my radar was um, a piece that I wrote just in the last few days for Rotographs, where it turns out over the last three seasons, he has the highest average fly ball launch angle of any pitcher. And if you're thinking, so what? Which would be a reasonable reaction. Uh, that correlates really well with a low fly ball BABIP. And Baumgartner's been somebody who has been really reliable in preventing base hits on balls in play. Except last year, uh, it looks like he actually he had sort of a normal rate. And for him, that's bad luck. So for, for a lot of other pitchers, a high rate would indicate bad luck. For Baumgartner, somebody who's a really good hit preventer, uh, a normal rate, I think, was sort of sneakily uh, mm-hmm. fluky bad for him. So I think that uh, while going to Arizona, he may give up a few more homers. I think that with a lower BABIP and a better strand rate, like all that stuff's going to wash out, and he's he's going to be better than people think. Yeah, you know, it's funny that you mentioned him because he's also someone who I just I, – I, I wouldn't say I have a negative uh, reaction toward him, but he's someone who just – 
over the last decade, I haven't had in a ton of leagues. I don't really feel much of a fantasy baseball connection to Madison Bumgarner, but that's a hell of a stat you pulled out there. And I agree, right? A high high launch angle, going to get a lot of pop-ups, going to get a lot of routine flyouts. So the, uh, the evidence you put together certainly adds up and makes sense. We'll have to see if it pans out. Yeah, we will. So uh, sometime next few weeks, I need to get him on some of my teams. Definitely. You, got, you can't call him one of your guys if he's not on any of your teams. <laughs> We're giving you a little pass here today, but you better get him in your next draft. <laughs> well, the other ones in the column, I've drafted, so and, and most of them on multiple teams already. So do check out all of our My Guys columns, and we'll give you a bonus feature read here. This is something I read over the weekend that I just thought was so cool and interesting and has almost nothing to do with fantasy whatsoever. <laughs> but it's a piece from Anthony Castro-Vince in MLB.com, Oberlin College Baseball Team and the Infield Shift. And just a, it's a story about just a horrible uh, small program college baseball team that out of necessity uh, created a, a precursor to the shift called the, the Fly Trap. Great writing by uh, Anthony Castro Vince. A great story. Uh, so do check that out on MLB.com. And uh, you'll be checking us out again, I hope, on Tuesday because for this show, we're going to put a bow on it. And uh, we'll be back here with Fantasy Baseball 15 again on Tuesday. If you're not already a subscriber to The Athletic, you can get 40% off a subscription at theathletic.com slash baseball in 15. And everything that we do is included as part of your subscription. And if you're enjoying this podcast on a platform that lets you leave a rating and a review, we would greatly appreciate it if you took the time to do that. So for Michael Beller, I'm Al Melker, and we will be back here on Tuesday. <laughs>